Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Flowcast. This is the podcast for information and inspiration on your journey to finding your flow. In this episode of the podcast, we have Mallory Graham on. She's been a huge help for me in getting Flow Spa up and running. She's my business mentor previously at the Peterborough Business Advisory Center and now off on her own doing her own thing and really doing an awesome job with promoting digital marketing and just really an expert in that area. So in this conversation, we get into a lot of discussion about digital marketing as well as her thoughts on some of the gurus in the marketing world and just everything to do with her passion with marketing and online marketing. So it was a really awesome conversation. We got really deep into talking about her passions, which I think helped to show her kind of the path towards the flow state and uh, different things that she could incorporate into her own life for improving and the growth that she's so passionate about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, without further ado, here's Mallory Graham. More so today, um, not necessarily... We don't necessarily need to talk about floating or anything, but just uh, finding out like what you're passionate about and sort of the kind of goes into the whole like the flow of it. So as as uh, as like a new guest on the on the podcast, I kind of want to dive into what that means first and just like explain to you a little bit about the flow state and then we can kind of guide the conversation from there. So. I so the flow state is kind of that that state of peak performance that we get into where we're kind of out of our out of our, out of being self-conscious so you know you're really some people call, refer to it as being in the zone mm-hmm. and just totally focused on the present moment which you know ties very closely into meditation and everything um, but flow is is more about like that peak performance so it's kind of where you're balancing the line between anxiety and boredom perfectly. Because if you're doing something that is challenging, but too challenging, you know, you start to falter, you start to fail right. a little bit because it's, it's too hard. But if you're on the opposite side of that sort of perfect flow state line, then things are just not challenging enough. You're not growing from it. You're not, you're not building, you know, greater potential in mm-hmm. what you do. So one of the questions that we'll kind of start with and then we'll I think where the conversation will lead is is likely in what you're passionate about but uh, so would you say that there's something in your life that you've found your flow in it's a very good question so I think that how you're talking about um, your flow towards um, boredom and then excitement or things that you're like you're having anxiety or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of, compa- I could compare that to uh, Tony Robbins. Um, he has his whole like six needs, I think they are. Yeah. So he has right. like certainty and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So you have the need for certainty in your life or uncertainty. Everyone has a need for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that traditionally I have had more of a need for certainty. Like I wanted to know, what my life's going to entail. Like I wanted to know, okay, right. this is where I'm going to be going to university. This is what I'm going to do after university. This mm-hmm. is my job. This is what I'm going to, this is the direction. This is my goal. I was very, very goal oriented. Yep. Um, and not until recently I've started noticing that I get bored easily with things. And I think it was because I had, I, I felt that my need was for that certainty when really there was an underlying uncertainty there. Yeah. So I need that yeah. excitement and uh, that stimulation and, and push to try new things. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've tried to sort of recognize that and shift into a more of an uncertain and being okay with things being uncertain mm-hmm. um, instead of just falling back onto that default, like preconditioned, um, like what I thought that what I thought that life was about. Right. Right. So it's kind of kind of changes your life a little bit. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. Um but yes, I'm a very ambitious person. So I think when it comes to what drives me and what I'm super passionate about, I'm very passionate about a lot of things. Okay. Um, so I'm very passionate about um, inclusion. Mm-hmm. So inclusion of all 
um, sexualities and backgrounds and ethnicities and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm also very passionate about contribution uh, to the world. So everyone contributing in a way that they that they can. So that's maybe very important to me, not necessarily everyone, um, but I'm very passionate about contributing as much as I can and yeah. giving back and mm-hmm. um, finding solutions for people. Like that's something that I've realized is really feeding my soul is if I'm finding someone who's had or they're they're experiencing an issue or they're they have a problem with their business or personal or whatever and overcoming that is very challenging for them and if I'm able to provide them with a solution or or something that is helping them it's so rewarding mm-hmm. and that's something that I never thought was there but I'm realizing whoa like that that's there and that's it's huge so my passions have kind of shifted a little bit. Um, but yeah, so does that kind of answer Very the cool. question? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in, in line with that, can you think of sort of instances in your day or across like any time frame, the things that get you like really immersed in the present moment where you lose track of time, what things kind of do that for you? Hmm. That's a good question. Or you might not be there yet. That's right. totally fine too. Honestly. And that's kind of what the journey with this podcast and like the mission with the, yes. the business is helping people get to those points too. Yes. I think that because I have, I, I've never had a, I've never had trouble with what do you love? Like mm-hmm. the question, like, you know, if you say, write down a list of everything that you love or like courses that you take, for example, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in school and you're like, what courses do you want to take? Yeah. I always wanted to take all of them because I thought everything was interesting and I just love learning. Um, So one of those things could actually be um, like online courses. So when I get into an online course right now, I'm taking one on list building. So how to how to build your email list and grow it exponentially. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm just a huge nerd and I find (laughs) I like time escapes me when I do that. So right now, that's what's hot for me right now. But maybe in a month's time, once I've kind of learned that, mm-hmm. something else will be new and exciting. So I think it's honestly, I think it's just learning keeps me motivated and whatever I'm super excited about learning right now. Yeah. Right. So, so, so yeah. and even um, as I've been starting my YouTube channel and learning more about that, it's like, oh, next thing I know, it's like 1130 at night. And normally like before I go to bed at like. 9 30 mm-hmm. and it's like i don't even want to go to bed because i just want to work on this and it's exciting and i'm yeah. learning and um so for me it, it's not usually one consistent thing sure yeah because um, my passions have always been like kind of all not all over the place but um i've just always just loved like advancing myself and growing mm-hmm. right like you were saying earlier growing. yeah no that's that's a good answer and that mm-hmm. i think that does that definitely taps into it so what have you what are some of the things you've learned with the list building course that, that, or are they sort of trade secrets? You... No, they're not trade <laughs> secrets. Um, what I've learned so far, cause I'm only about a quarter of the way done. Um, I've learned that like lists, creating a list, uh, an email list is like your greatest asset, right? So totally. when you're growing your following on the social media networks, you are at the mercy of those networks. So if they mm-hmm. decided to shut down, yeah. you lose all your followers, all that work that you've done, it's kind of gone, right? Yeah. So the the goal is to funnel those people to your to your email list, yeah. whether it's through like some type of freebie and opt-in getting them on your list. Um, so then you actually own that. That's an asset. Right. And then whenever, so as you're growing your audience and growing your list um, and then developing whatever product that you're wanting to release Mm -hmm. um, or announcement that you want to share, then you'll have all these engaged users that are already kind of tapped in and following what you're, what you're saying already. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite go-to with that? Cause you mentioned sort of, you can, you can have like the freebie you can, if you're running like some sort of business where you're trying to build a list, you can also put in an offer for X percent or X dollars off something like what's right. your personal favorite or have you noticed have you done any a b testing to figure out which ones work best for you for the freebie sure for what for whatever offer so like what yeah if you yeah. want to call it a freebie yeah. that's sort of what i refer to it as well yeah. too so the the offer that you're presenting with ex- in, in exchange for their information right yeah yeah so yeah. typically it's either like a freebie or or a coupon or, or whatever right mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think it's completely dependent on whether, like, on what it is that you're offering in your business, yeah, right? Totally, yeah. So um, for the Trading Post, offering a 10 or 15% off your first purchase coupon, that totally makes sense, Yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas um, for my digital marketing services, mm-hmm. offering a digital marketing guide like introductory for beginners and small yeah. businesses that's totally makes sense for that so Which I, and I've, I've read that and it's awesome oh, it looks you. great and it's it's a lot of value for like that freebie i think it's great thank you yeah, i really that like it a lot, lot. yeah no, no worries Good. so I, I i definitely agree with with those different aspects um and i think each person can kind of play around with and you should be doing sort of that a b testing whether uh you know, even for, well, just, just as an example, like to, to give somebody like a discount of something, even if it's for like a, any kind of store might be like biting off more than you necessarily need to chew. If you've got like a lot of information, sometimes people take more value in that and also showcases your expertise. Right. And so for example, I've put together for, for the subscribe like people that subscribe to our our um, email list get like a how to make the most out of your float mm-hmm. but it's also constantly evolving into other sort of ebooks you know right. that, that, that can be offered rather than necessarily just being like this m- much dollars off your first float or something yeah. like that so it's like it's good to constantly evolve it but I think I, I'm sort of big on the whole showcasing expertise and in everything so yeah for sure and it's funny that you say that i've actually tried to brainstorm ways that we could provide expertise to a trading post customer yeah like how to i don't know whether it's how to choose your your most favorite moccasin or or something like that yeah um i'm not sure if depending on the level of education that's required Mm -hmm. for the industry and for that business like Mm -hmm. i feel like floating is an industry where you can be like like there's so many benefits and it's, it's so deep. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the depth of the business in and of itself, there's so much content around that. Yeah. Whereas like a retail store where you're selling gifts, a coupon might be the best way to get that quick offer. Yeah, it totally right? could. Um, but in terms of other types of freebies, um, I've actually been asked by people to maybe shift my freebie offering into a startup checklist yeah. because a lot of, clients know me as a like entrepreneurship coach and stuff so that I might start doing like an a b test to be like hey are people wanting this digital marketing guide or are they wanting a startup checklist because that's another area that I can definitely offer that value in yeah and if that's something that I decide to to pursue and see what the interest is in there a checklist would be a really good offering but whether it's a checklist or a guide or um, any type of like knowledge that you're providing people. And mm-hmm. I think the most important thing is that one, it's not too much information. So right. you're not overwhelming them. It's yeah. something that they can quickly get a quick win, mm-hmm. right? They can get the information and quickly take some value of it right away without having to do much, do too much work. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of, feel like your area of expertise at least the, from what I know you with is like this marketing stuff oh, okay so <laughs> I and I think that's I, I don't know that's one of the areas you're most interested in if I'm not mistaken right it is for sure and yeah. um I think that it's totally in the eye of the beholder like to you because you're more advanced in your business mm-hmm. then you can appreciate and understand what I'm talking about marketing right whereas someone who has no experience in business or hasn't they haven't even been there yet yeah they're thinking they don't know much about it at all their level of interest would be at the entrepreneurship stage because yeah. that's the only thing that would be somewhat relevant to them yeah right totally and yeah. I mean yeah I guess I did you know spent a lot of time studying and and learning like the marketing stuff myself beforehand to be able to come into the conversation at a different level but definitely eye-opening you know with some of the the um marketing seminars you put on and stuff just seeing that different level in different business owners and it's cool because it's a reminder that there's tons of people no matter what level you're at in whatever you're doing you've always got tons of people in your audience Mm -hmm. and yeah you can help them grow from there at Um, all different stages right but so 
I kind of want to get into some of these more interesting questions. Let's do it. That have to do a little bit more about <clears throat> marketing, but maybe even just where like the beginners start as well. Sure. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, let's let's start from there, and we'll just build on the conversation. So, where would you say like small business owners should start in? Let's focus primarily on digital marketing, um, mm-hmm. because that seems to be where, in my opinion, you get the best bang for your buck. And I think you would agree mm-hmm. in today's world that it's super expensive to for for marketing efforts, but you can really get a lot out of those those sort of micro transactions that you get through digital. So where right. would somebody start? Because if you're running like a small business, whether you're just getting started up or you've been in it for a while, like there's a lot that can you can be doing online mm-hmm. but how do you find the time or what's the best thing what do you think well i definitely think that um the first thing that you need to do is ask yourself what it is like what it is you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. right in your marketing efforts like are you super busy already are you trying to get more leads coming in the door figure out a goal for yourself like mm-hmm. why are you doing this at all mm-hmm. why do you want to do marketing yeah, are that's needing, super important. Right? Are you needing to increase sales? Like, like why? Why are you even asking yourself this question in the first place? Yep. Um, and then another thing to ask is, uh, which is often often overlooked, like more so than you would think, is who is your ideal customer? Mm-hmm. So people do not, uh, and that is all like really marketing strategy is is really really understanding who your customers are mm-hmm. and what they want, what they care about, because. Your business and your the value that you're offering is is what is important to them. Yeah. Right. So whatever they care about and the worth of your business, all all that matters is what they think. Right. Right. Yeah. So, understanding who your customers are, segmenting them out into okay, we've got groups that care about this, groups that care about that. Yeah. Um, and understanding how they're shopping, how they're making their decisions, what motivates them, mm-hmm. what things they care about. Um, what things they don't care about, um, what channels they're using. So are they online? Are they using um, are they using Instagram or Facebook? Like how are they making their decisions about about life in general? Yeah. Right? Where are they hanging out online? Where are they hanging out offline? Um, that's you really, really need to just get to know your customers. That's mm-hmm. the hardest thing. And that's what that's what I would tell anyone that's that's first starting is to answer those cool. questions. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely it's the hardest thing but once you do that everything else becomes exponentially easier because mm-hmm. you've actually got whether you want to call them goals or or sort of a checklist you've got that idea of where you need to be going online or offline and who you, who you're targeting and for what reason but right. it all comes down to um, I know a lot of people like Seth Godin say if you don't know uh, the outcome you shouldn't be putting in whether you're putting in dollars or whether you're just putting in time and effort into a post mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're tracking at the end of the day you shouldn't you probably need to figure that stuff out before you you get into the uh putting those those dollars in and just kind of because that's yeah that's what happens yeah. is it just goes down the drain mm-hmm. sort of if you don't have whether you you know those conversions that you're tracking or anything right like that. yes so like if you're going to do any type of marketing activity like sometimes uh, i speak with small business owners and they say like what hashtag should i use or mm-hmm. what is what do you think about this post and i'm saying and then the first thing i say to them is who is who are you trying to reach with this post like yeah. what is the point of doing this post yeah right what is it what are you trying to accomplish mm-hmm. because Every post that you create, every piece of content that you put out there, whether it's a tweet or a blog post or a video or whether how, no matter how big or small it is, um, it has an intention and it has the possibility um, to be huge or or not. Right. So you could make it you could it could be a game changer for you yeah. or not. So every single one of those pieces of content has the opportunity to be a game changer for you. So. Um, I think that if you have an intention of what it is you actually want to do with that piece of content, mm-hmm. whether you're trying to turn someone from a stranger of your business to, okay, now they're aware yeah. of your business, um, 
to someone who already knows about your business to, okay, now I'm actually thinking about buying, mm-hmm. right? So what actually, how you want to move them through that buyer journey, right. because you can't turn someone and from a stranger into a loyal, like a, a loyal raving fan in one step, like one post cannot possibly do that. It's impossible. So yeah. understanding that whole journey and what actual task that specific post or piece of content is meant to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So um, a lot of people studying or, you know, into marketing know about this character, this man, myth, legend online, Gary Vaynerchuk, often known as Gary V. And so what you just tapped into there is kind of his whole philosophy on document don't create and kind of like around the, you know, we're talking a little bit about the creation aspect. What do you think of that whole document don't don't create idea? And so it kind of what it boils down to with him is just, you know, a lot of in the scenes, in the trenches, like day in the life of stuff. If you're like an expert or if you're sort of enmeshed in whatever you're doing, you're already talking about those things. You're already like creating the content, but it's in your daily life. Um, so what what do you think about that? And do you agree or disagree with his whole like document don't create idea? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that documenting is, is very, very important. Um, I've heard both sides of the coin mm-hmm. i've heard very yeah. very Same influential here. people say like no you should be creating value it should be original content yeah um but i think that you can meet somewhere in the middle yep. so if you're creating original content like once a week yeah um then that is a lot so if once a week you're creating something that's original and then the rest of the days you're documenting the process of creating that content mm-hmm. um, and sharing people in on your journey. I think that there's a lot to be said for that because cool. creating things that are original, that are completely original, um, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. And what actually is original? Like, like what hasn't already been done before? That's something that is can yeah. be debated as well, right? Yeah. Essentially um, nothing, right? Right, yeah. Maybe, maybe you do it in different forms or something or different styles, but yeah, mm-hmm. no. Right, so it might be your own spin on it, which means, yes, it is original, but is it not? Like, there's there's so many debates that can be had, mm-hmm. um, but I think that when you're talking about what your competitive advantage is, yeah. right? Like, when we're talking about Flow Spa, yeah. What do you think the competitive advantage is? I, I have my opinion, but what do you think For it is? Sure. Um, I definitely think, or I'm definitely striving towards the sort of the things that I value personally. Exactly. Um, and that's what it is. And, and, yes. ex, and like sort of expertise and knowledge is something that I value. So that's, you know, been in, enmeshed in the brand is, is the knowledge and expertise. And, um, and also doing everything we can to make sure the customer experience, because that's another thing that I'm really passionate about and just think I'm not necessarily just me myself, but that's the way I like to lead a business is into a better customer experience. And and so we put a ton of effort into that. And like I'm constantly trying to improve mm-hmm. every little aspect I can, like buying shoehorns so that, you know, people that need to right. slip back Pretty into their shoes. Effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are small things, but they make a big difference. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of the point I was getting at. Yeah. Competitive advantage is there might be someone out there who is doing kind of what you are already wanting to do, yep. but you are the competitive advantage, right? So if you haven't done it, then it hasn't been done. Right. So the spin that you put on it is, is unique, mm-hmm. right? So yes, there might be tons of digital marketers out there. Um, or if I'm, hopefully in the future going to create like digital marketing courses yeah. delivered online. Yes, there's already lots out there, but it'll be unique if it's from me because mm-hmm. I have my own experiences that will be different for my, my target clients because my experiences are unique and haven't been done before. Yeah. So understanding and appreciating those unique things kind of is very aligned with the documentation because it's very much so um, your, your journey, right? Yeah. So letting people into your journey that then they'll form that connection with you and right. be like, okay, I know this person. I feel like I know this person Yeah. instead yeah. of them just saying, Oh, this is all 
like created content here you go packaged pretty in a bow yeah um and i'm only seeing i'm, I'm only seeing the 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 pretty picture mm -hmm. one story right yeah. one side of the story is um what the finished product right but the other side of the story is all the work that went into it and yeah. the, and the discussions and and creating it so that's or not yeah so the the, the documenting that creation right. process yeah. is is another story that is like, wow, this is real. Like you can form those connections w with the person that's sharing that yeah. documentation. Yeah, it's like that connection is building that relationship in this kind of strange world that we live in with the whole digital universe. Yeah. And also definitely showcasing some of that vulnerability, you know, because like you said, it's not the pretty packaged end product. But the sometimes messy, often messy, like, uh, journey it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, I totally agree that it's got to be the mix of both. And I think if you even look at somebody like Gary V's stuff, he still has those like created things, yeah. right? Like the end product is a created thing. Yeah. He's just documenting the, the route. And I guess that's where he gets maybe more content than you sometimes see with other people. So my next question that also ties into Gary's stuff is is like this idea of like micro content so you might have that finished package at the end of the day and he actually he talks about it as like those pillars of content that you then break down and chunk into other little like digestible bites um and I think I did he, he at one point he recommended something like 270 pieces of content a week I think and so if you do if you like break it down he's basically suggesting something like 80, 80 pieces of content a day or 70 or 80 pieces of content a day. That sounds like obscene to me. Like, what are your thoughts on where do you draw the line, whether it's a small business? Do you have to, is that only something that somebody that's like trying to be a global brand can do? Um, like, what, what do you think of it, this crazy number of pieces of content and what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. I think that his point of view is that, um, the whole content world will never be too saturated, right? right. There's so much content out there mm -hmm. that even the massive amount of content that he's sharing, it's never going to be too much. Like people aren't going to be bored or, or sick of him because there's so much other content out there. They're just going to see him. They're going to be more likely to see him because of the amount that he's sharing. But they're not going to oversee they're him They're not going to oversee him. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the question on whether it's too much content and whether it's attainable is to ask what is a piece of content, mm. right? So let's say you created a podcast or a video, like a long form video in a week, Yeah. right? Um, splitting that up into chunks and then grabbing small quotes from that and putting that quote into a tweet, putting that quote into an image that could be on an, on an Instagram story. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those add up, right? Yeah. So it's taking that long form piece of content, chopping it up, through uh, forms of audio and yeah. visual um, and, and making sure that you have all the different uh, forms of media that are out there um, and then like just repackaging it, right? right? Um, so even if you have um, maybe 15 Instagram stories in a day, each one of those is an opportunity to reach your customer and mm -hmm. to reach your audience. So I, I don't, I think that sometimes small business owners they they the, the idea of that being too much content becomes a question of like i don't have time for that right, right. is that what you're thinking well yeah that's where i was kind of okay. leading the question yeah. perhaps i mean i wanted your thoughts on it overall too but, right uh yeah yeah what? so like what so i think sometimes the hesitation yeah for that much content either comes from um people don't want to see me that much or I don't have time for that. Maybe mm -hmm. they do want to see me that much and the ma the market isn't saturated, isn't too saturated for that much content. Yeah. But then I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like there's these different excuses we can offer it. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think that when we're facing the fact of is the market oversaturated with content? 
know that it's not. Okay. Um, if certain followers on Instagram or Facebook are saying that, maybe they just need to get more followers. <laughs> like, maybe they need to follow more people. Yeah. Right? If they're saying, like, oh, you post, like, all your feed is all you. Well, maybe follow more people and that, yeah. won't, <laughs> that won't happen. Sure. Or something, right? Then yeah. you could always say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if your relatives only have, like, 30 people they're following uh, yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe they, all they see are your posts, like, yeah. 10 times a day or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the average person who has lots of followers, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be an issue, I don't think. Okay, yeah. Um, but so it's always going to be relative to the um, whoever is receiving that, right? Right. Um, but I think in terms of whether that's attainable, that amount of content. So if you've if you've if you've crossed that bridge and said, okay, the market isn't too saturated with content, mm-hmm. we can deal with this now. Now the issue is, do we have time for yeah. that much? Then you need to ask yourself if it's really a time issue um, or if you're just not really sure and you just you're second guessing every freaking post. Hmm. Like what's actually taking the time? Okay, is it yeah. because is is it because you're not sure what to post and you're you're second guessing your hashtags and it's taking you too long because of mm-hmm. all of your you're inside your head too much or um are you feeling insecure about a photo that you just took and you're not sure whether you should post it? So you take yeah. 30 different photos and then you try to edit them and that's why it takes so long. Right. I think that it's business owners being insecure about sharing and they're afraid. Mm. I think that's getting in the way of posting as much as they could be. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. What okay. are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah. I, uh, I I wanted to like ask you right away the question but we'll we'll get to it in a second my thoughts on that are um i i totally agree i think it, it de- depends on like what market you're in yeah what are my thoughts on on like if people are just in their head too much are or... people do you think that business owners are afraid to post or they really don't have time um i think there's definitely or for you, I, I guess, from yeah. your experience. For, from my experience, um, sometimes I'd say, like, I'm afraid to post. And, like, I think other people are probably afraid to post. Uh, and sometimes it's, like, a time thing, which is why there's it's great that there's sort of those content management tools, which I, I like to make use of as well. The other thing for me is, like, part of our mission here and part of, like, our brand value, uh, which we should actually also dive into in a second is is uh, like the digital minimalism and and sort of combating people's tech addictions so it's a little bit hypocritical if i'm posting 10 times a day or something because it's not really embodying what we like believe in and trying to get people more engaged in real life and less engaged on social media and stuff Mm -hmm. and so uh i guess that's one uh I, I forgot to like include this question in in sort of what I was thinking, but now that I'm here, this is something I want to like dive into a little bit with you because yeah. this is um, yeah. What so I think those are the things. I think there's tons of like good information, whether it's like through what you're doing with like this whole like um, marketing guide stuff and sort of finding first finding your target market, but after that point. There's a little bit of stuff you have to learn, like mm-hmm. to to be good at social media in any in any aspect. Like, there's a few like I think simple things, and there's tons of people that are telling you like giving you good advice on like what you need to do. But like you need to know the platform, right? Yeah. And that's sort of one of the first steps. You need to like post content that's relevant to the platform. And one of my favorite books on this was actually uh, Gary Vee's Jab 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 Right Hook. Mm-hmm did an awesome job of breaking down each platform and what looks good and what doesn't on it. Yes. I mean, it's a few years dated now, but also crushing it, his newer book, does another good job of that. And there's lots of other people that sort of talk about it. But um, first, first, like, instead of kind of having that goal for a huge number of pieces of content, that's like, he's, you know, he's on every platform. And if it's a small business owner that feels like they're, they're spinning their wheels. 
I think the best and most successful ones, whether it's locally or whatever, are the ones that dial into one platform or maybe two platforms and do really well at those. And then perhaps they can expand it to other ones later. But it's it's like pick pick one, learn everything you can about it, which is super easy. You just Google how to make a post on Instagram yeah. and you'll find people talking about it. I mean, there's lots of um, there's tons of misinformation, too. So be a little bit like judicious or contact us. We'll help you like find like I, I follow a lot of good people. I'm sure you follow a lot of good people. We can help people find like those people or we can provide the information ourselves too. Mm -hmm. um, whatever route you want to take to follow, to figure out like what's good content. Um, and then, yeah, using like a scheduling thing, that's sort of how I combat some of this digital minimalism is I do it like, I try to do it right now, the first month of business has been hard, but when everything works out, I do it one day a week and I plan like those good pieces of content for each day. And then if I do choose to like do something spur of the moment for like an Instagram story or something that's a little more um, temporary, right? That's like just sort of those those more ephemeral like um, pieces of documentation instead of creation, <laughs> then I do it. And if I don't do it, I don't beat myself up over it because there's right. an, another day. Yeah. There's another opportunity. And it's just it's you got to think of it more as like that long term because that's where you see a lot of people that you think are overnight successes on social media, but they've actually taken a long time oh, to yeah. get there Absolutely. and a lot of like hours and everything. And that's sort of, uh, I know this is becoming like the Gary V podcast, but crush it talks about that. Right. Is, yeah. And he wrote that in 2008, people hardly knew who he is. And now in 2019, he's, if you look at it, the world, the global grand scale, people hardly know who he is, but a lot more people yeah, yeah. than know who he is. Right. Mm -hmm. It's millions versus nobody right but millions on the scale of billions is still nobody like he's like i think he recently said something about how like millions of entrepreneurs in america don't even know who he is yet yeah. and that fires him up because like it's still that journey that you never yeah, really end for sure and that's sort of uh yeah so that's some of my thoughts on it awesome. but what do you think about this whole like idea of digital minimalism like do you know what that means um have you heard anybody like talk about it and and basically, what are your thoughts? I've heard a little bit about it, um, but I haven't practiced it myself, mm -hmm. obviously. <laughs> um, I think that um, if that's like a business approach yep. that you are intending to take, there are certain creative strategies that can help you with still achieving your content goals sure. while um, producing digital minimalism. So. Yeah. Um, one thing I saw one of your clients in the last few days share an Instagram story after their experience. Yeah. So by promoting your clients to do that afterwards, it's like they're sharing it and it's kind of right. like you're just guiding them to mm. do that. So it's yeah. not exactly coming from you. It's like there's buzz around you and it's almost like more authentic, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So I don't know if that is kind of a way around it. Um, yeah, I but Yeah. Definitely, I, think but so. my understanding of it is probably a lot less than than yours. <laughs> well, that's no, well, that's okay. So it's it's kind of it's getting at like this whole, you know, we we live in a completely distracted world uh, because we've got basically become in in the technical sense of it, androids. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got this phone that's always attached to us, yep. and it it's been engineered to be as addictive as possible as well so it's the whole it's actually a really great book that cal newport just wrote called digital Min minimalism and um i think and so he's talking about the first part of the book is talking about how addictive these things are and the negative impact it's having on our lives and then gets into some of these strategies for maybe minimalizing um these somewhat less authentic relationships in our lives that are like digital. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's more like the idea of making the technology work for you rather than you working for the technology, which a lot of people, when they become, you know, addicted to it and they have to check their phone like 150 times a day or whatever the statistics at now, right. um, it's you're, you're being, less involved in the real world but you're also getting less out of that digital world too right yeah i guess my opinion on that is slightly 
different. Um, I kind of think that the real world's changing. Sure. I think that it is becoming the real world. Yeah. What someone's version of the real world is is very different to another's. Yeah. Um, So what I think the real world is to maybe even certain members of my family Mm -hmm. that live half an hour away from me, their real world is completely different than mine. Right. Right? Um, Like my grandma, for example, doesn't have a cell phone. She likes to go like hunting in the north and be completely secluded and that's what she loves i like you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go there yeah just i wouldn't do it so i think that everyone's idea of of life and in the real world is is completely different um but i think that there is a lot of there's a lot of people that are choosing to see the negative of, of technology and of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what, like, something is only negative or positive, good or bad or whatever, mm-hmm. once you label it so. Right. Right? So if you choose, if you make the conscious decision to say, I'm going to make social media technology amazing for me. Yeah. Right? I'm going, like, I decide that it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, if I decide, like, I ha- I have the power to say when I'm done with it and I want to put it away for the rest of the night, then mm-hmm. I will. Yep. But when I want to use it to grow my business and be a boss all day, mm-hmm. then I will. Like, and just take that ownership and, and be super, like, positive and make, make the choice for what direction that you're going to to label it as. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that, I think, really embodies the heart of the digital minimalism thing is just... Mm-hmm is starting to be maybe a little more mindful about how you use it. And if you're using it to build, to grow your business or build your business, that's, that's great. Um, but, but no, I think you, I think you nailed it. And that's sort of the, the heart of the issue Mm -hmm. that why digital minimalism has become a thing is because we just need to be a little more aware of, uh, of, yeah, yeah, not necessarily just getting sucked into like a loop of watching crazy YouTube videos and going down the YouTube spiral but doing it deliberately. I maybe. think, yeah. And another thing on that point is I think it's important to go all in and be in the moment, whether you are, whether you're working on social media for your business yep. or whether you are having a conversation with a client one-on-one or a meeting or whatever, mm-hmm. be present. Like, I, I don't think that if you're active on social and you're, you're not doing like digital minimalism or, or whatever that you're, um, that you shouldn't be on your phone. I think that like, if you are, if you're actively like be present with pursuing your social media strategy when you're do when you're doing that. Yeah, totally. And then when you're, when you're having a meeting with someone, put your phone away and yeah. meet with them and be present with them and, and go all in <coughs> whatever the heck it is that you're doing. Yeah, totally. At that time. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. So I think you do have a good appreciation of it. And that's uh, that's what it really embodies. Another question that came to mind that sort of ties into the, the uh, sort of, I don't know, it's a little bit out of, out of line with the way this conversation has evolved, but the followers versus who you follow kind of thing. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, I know some, some businesses or some people think that you should have a greater number of followers than people you follow. What, what do you, like, think about that whole conversation is it like actually a negative to see you know the people you follow is actually greater than your followers or is that just sort of made up okay so (coughs) i hate the word should yeah (laughs) like you should blah 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 blah. like i just stop you know um who said that right like who said you should i don't know if they're like the smartest person on instagram who decided they're the smartest person on instagram right Um, what is it that you're actually trying to achieve in this? Okay. So if you, if, if, if I came across someone's profile and said, oh, they have more, they, they're following more people than they have followers. Like they suck. Like who cares that I think that, Right. right? The only person that would care if I think that is if I am the target market and the ideal persona for that business that I'm looking at their profile. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So you should only actually give a shit about the people that you are targeting, right? So your ideal customer, what do they care about? Um, and I, 
oftentimes I don't think that they're looking at how many people you're following oh. um, and who, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't really think that. I think that they're yeah, that looking at, they're, they're looking at um, their like three second reaction of your profile, whether mm-hmm. it seems interesting to them or not. Yeah. Um, now there's so many different like tactical things yeah. that you can do to, to get more followers. Um, but it's also important to ask these followers that you have, um, if you have like 10,000 followers that aren't engaged and they're not your ideal customer, how valuable is that to your business? Yeah. Right. Like what's the point, right? Whereas if you have 300 that are fully engaged and all 300 of those people are, are commenting or are fans and engaged and they're commenting and liking your stuff, that looks a heck of a lot better. Cool. So actually Instagram Instagram actually looks at the engagement of your posts much more than the follower count. So they'll right. show they'll show your post up on the explore page mm-hmm. much more likely and much higher if you have higher engagement, which oh, is okay. which has nothing to do with your follower account. Has cool. everything to do with how many people comment and engage with your posts. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh I, I feel I don't know, there was something that kind of was in the back of my mind for a long time and so that's a it's it's a good point and it's good to know and i think uh it also goes into you probably should be following the people that are engaging with you because Mm -hmm. that shows that's that next level of relationship building when they're outside of whether it's your small business or if it's online you're actually like engaging with them and uh they feel more value and and connection out of that relationship that you've got there and I think depending on what your goals are for Instagram specifically while we're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, if you are trying to attract more followers, which is usually what people are trying to do. Yep. Um, you, it, it might be more advantageous to follow hashtags than okay. accounts specifically. Um, and follow and, and turn on notifications yep. for highly influential accounts in your industry. So oh. if you find that there is like a competitor or a really influential account that is relevant to you mm-hmm. and your target, your target followers are following that, that content or engaging with them. Yeah. If you turn on notifications so that as soon as um, they post something and then you comment on it right away, then all of your potential followers that you're trying to get their attention, they will see your comment on the top. Oh, okay. Yeah. And even once they start commenting on stuff, uh, liking and commenting on their comments. Right. Yeah. So yeah, commenting on stuff is much more important than actually following them. Right. But making, uh, I would like to add to that, making genuine comments. Yeah. Because we've all seen those those comments that are just like heart yeah, emoji, yeah, a yeah. heart, and then like thumbs share up. This thumbs up, and then like <laughs> like our page or like you know you can tell those ones that are that are just somebody that's spamming every single page yes, that they get to course. to so make sure that it's actually relevant and yes. i think creating some value there oh yeah yeah cool mm-hmm. um, that was implied but yeah that's a great uh, point yeah some people sure. don't realize it or whatever you know just uh offering that next level of uh, advice with oh, that yeah. i think is important absolutely um is there anything else that like you want to talk about <gasps> no I think so. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun, isn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> it's fun talking about stuff that you love. Yeah, totally. And stuff that you're excited about. Yeah. Right? Because it's it's uh, a lot of the, the law of attraction. Yeah. Right? So as you talk about things you love and that positive energy is flowing, then you just get super excited and happy about it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually what the flow state's all about. Yeah. So I don't know whether that got you a little bit into the zone with the conversation or not but that's uh i guess a cool side effect that i didn't think of that could be a part of the actual conversation here um or these podcasts we do but it really does help to like the more i in my sort of philosophy with it is the more that you learn about flow and also the more that you practice it in whatever you do the easier it gets to get replicate mm-hmm. or get back into that state Right. The, the, it's sort of like, yeah, uh, the real recognize real, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, the more that you, uh, the more that you do it, the the better and easier it is because it's 
that actually is like ultimately what meaning in life is, is doing those things that you love mm-hmm. or, or at least sort of being immersed in the present moment as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Cool. Absolutely. But actually that, that reminds me of some book that I was listening about. It's called like the atomic. Have you heard of it? It's like atomic habits. Yes. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I've, uh, I've listened to some interviews with him, but I have not yet read the book. Okay. Yeah. I totally want to download the audio file for that because mm-hmm. I've I've been trying to to figure out like how to uh, create change mm-hmm. and like even when it comes to like even like social media and being more active and and how do you like do you have really do you really have time for this I'm right. too busy if you um, create habits mm-hmm. around that and create like the process in your in your day to day habits then. Yeah. Um, then that's something that you can just ingrain into your into your day to day life. Yeah, absolutely. Right? With with those habits of, of thinking like thinking positively, mm-hmm. um, mindfulness, like yeah. all of these things that are really really good that we know we need to do. Developing yeah. those habits and the process. Yeah, that, like that's the key, I think. So I really want to read it and yeah. not read it, listen to it. <laughs> but if, uh, if we go down, this would be like many more hours of conversation if we went down this route. So I'll try to just hold off okay. on, on too much but yeah that's uh i'll have to check that book out too um i know it's on have you ever, have you heard of scribed i have yeah but so, i have the uh, audible oh you have the audible one okay yeah so scribed actually has it as well okay. it's kind of like the netflix of books oh, okay. and they do audiobooks as well now so oh. you can download like for 8.99 a month you get like up to three audiobooks and a lot of them are like the brand new like awesome audiobooks and stuff, but you don't keep it. So that's the difference where some people oh, yeah. do like to have the copy that is theirs to keep, which is why Audible can be still good too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely want to check that book out. Um, even though I do read probably too much about like habits and productivity and stuff, I might not necessarily need to read it, but uh, it sounds cool. And but like if you James enjoy Clear it. is there, yeah, James Clear sounds like a very like interesting person. I've listened to some of his interviews around the book topic and and just like his stuff so yeah yeah i'll check it out two probably. things that i've yeah. learned to take out of my vocabulary from i like hired a business coach and he's been helping me, me with a lot of this cool is yeah. take the word should and the word need okay. so like i need to do this yeah. no like yeah. i want to do this or yeah. i'm going to do this um and then just take should out because should is a bad word yeah yeah, I, should will bring you no joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Marie Kondo for you. Yeah. Whatever sparks joy. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So, I think we'll I think we'll wrap it up for today at wrap that point because we could probably go on for many more I hours. Know, I but, think so. Like yeah. just like stay here and like nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've got a float to try if you're still up for it. So anyway. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me on this yeah. podcast, Mallory. Thank you, RJ. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you didn't already know, we're on iTunes now, so you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform, or feel free to continue to download the episodes individually off of our website at flowspot.ca/flowcast. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks.